Good morning. Would you all stand with me? I am going to read something to you um, from the word of the Lord from the book of Psalms this morning just to get us started. So the psalm, the psalmist is David and, um, and he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So uh, will you pray with me? Jesus, this morning as we gather, um, we just say thank you. We come with hearts of gratitude for that story that I hope resonates with each of us on some level that you've pulled us out um, from some sort of darkness, from some sort of pit, God, before we came to know you, even after we've known you, and maybe we've gotten ourselves in some messes, God. So we have much to rejoice um, in your name, God. We have much to be thankful for. So we just pray that this time would be just our offering of praise to you, God, of thanksgiving. We love you, God. You are good. You are faithful. You are true. You are good. You are beautiful. You are holy. And we praise you this morning, God. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right.
posture our hearts to gratitude before our King. He is so good. So there's never a season, never a place where I am alone, where you don't show your face. Right here I remember, how could I forget your faithfulness has never so good in every season in every place you are good you have already gone before us you have already created good we praise you we give you all of our things church we're entering into the time of our worship um, that is not just praise and song but also an opportunity for you to Worship and praise the Lord through your giving. Um, something the Lord put on my heart this morning as I was thinking about, you know, what do we say for, for offering messages? Is how the Lord goes before us. And I had something else that I was going to say, but like just during this song, he brought to mind how in Genesis, at the end of Genesis, Joseph is given a prophetic word about what needs to happen in order to keep 
Egypt satisfied and strong, that they need to put food resources into their storehouses so that not only can they be able to maintain their own lives, but that they may be a blessing out into the other tribes and nations that are around them. And And Joseph was put there in order to make a way for Egypt to be a blessing out into the nations. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of imagery in Genesis. There's a lot of um, beautiful imagery in, in Joseph and what he was able to do that is prophetically linked to Jesus. Joseph came to save Egypt and therefore save Israel. Jesus came to save the entire world, right? So I want to read from Malachi 3. We are told to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. He's given us Jesus. There is so much Jesus, there is so much blessing that we are meant to give what we have because there is an overflow. Church, I don't know what kind of season you're walking through right now. I don't know if you are financially blessed, if you are walking through prosperity or if you just have a lot of time and energy, but there is an overflow. There is something abundant in your life that you are supposed to bless others with. And once you do that, there is more, and there is more, and there is more. And he is so faithful. He is so faithful to always be true to his word. And that is what he has said, that he will pour out for you such blessing that there will not even be room enough for you to receive it anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we invite you. We invite you to give your tithes and offerings this morning. We have buckets. We have an app. We have online. We have little green boxes in the back. (laughs) Hand a check to Pam. She's very, very good (laughs) at getting things where it needs to go. But it's also, it's a time of worship. It's a time for us to posture our hearts and just say, Lord, you are enough for me. My bank account's not enough for me. You are enough for me. So Father, we just give, give this time, give this blessing that you've already given us back to you for you to pour out your blessings into Chandler, into Lincoln County, into Oklahoma, into the United States, into the missions abroad. Father, you know where your resources are going and you have your hand on it. And we trust you to work your will that only you can satisfy. We give it all to you. Amen. And I will never forget the moment I met you, the moment you called my name. You pulled out of the darkness you gave me a promise to never thirst again
Oh uh-huh. 
God can be that way sometimes. His steadfastness that whenever you pick up the phone, He's on the other end. Whenever you turn on the faucet, there's some water that comes out that that there's always God to spare. So as we we sing those words this morning, may they becoming more true in our lives that that we recognize where the source of all that comes from. Amen. Amen. Y'all be seated. I've got a couple of announcements this morning. Um, one is that next Sunday is is the last Sunday of the month. So we'll have family Sunday. And so we'll have kids stuff going on. And uh, kids, will, the older kids will be in the service with us. And uh, well, kids three and up or something like that. We'll be in the service with us. Y'all know how it goes, right? And so uh, we'll have that that time next weekend. And then the weekend after that is going to be let the Labor Day weekend. And who knows, uh, a lot of you will be at the lake that Sunday. And But we're still going to have church on that Sunday. And um, the, one of the last things that I want to remind you of is that our, uh, what's it called, heart to heart. Um, that's when we do the Meals on Wheels through the months of January every every day at noon, every weekday at noon through the month of October we help deliver the Meals on Wheels stuff and so that's an opportunity because some of you may just do one or two times but it's such a blessing to get to see some of those people that we get to minister to it's just another opportunity that we have in our community to minister the love of Jesus to the people in our community. Amen. 
I want you all to take five minutes and come back. And we've got an awesome word from uh, Brother Jacob this morning. All right. Uh, Jacob has an awesome word on the trustworthiness of God and how he is always worthy of us putting our faith in him. So here we go. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 again. We were there last week on a continue on some of the things that I began talking about last week and just hit a different part of this story. But first, I want to welcome our Sherman campus and Chandler campus. With Would you guys welcome them that are joining with us right now? Thank you for your receptive hearts and receiving the word. I believe God has something for you today. Um, coming out of Jubilee, again, if you're a guest or if you're new, our Jubilee is a time of calibration with the Lord, of celebrating all that he's done listening to what he's saying and directing us in. And one of the things that I come out of Jubilee just wanting to focus on is just a simplicity of faith. What it means to, to, to walk in simple faith in relationship with the Lord. I'm, I'm just captivated by this idea that, we, that Jesus perfectly lived in the reality of the kingdom of God in such a way that he manifested that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And he calls us as his disciples to do the same, to live in that reality, to understand the reality of the kingdom of God, live in that reality, and then from that reality, impact our world from a position of being anchored and rooted in the kingdom of God. And it, it's, the, the kingdom of God is more real than what we experience with our senses and our feelings. And so how do we tune into that? How do we remain tuned into the kingdom of God? And how do we remain tuned in in such a way that God's life, eternal life, that kingdom flows through us into this world? And Jesus is the model for that. And we're disciples of Jesus. And so we, we want to see Jesus clearly. We want to understand what he says. We want to live in the reality of what he communicated and what he gave us and then learn how we can live that same life. And in this story in Mark chapter 5, we see some expressions of this just simple faith. Last week, I, I honed in on the woman with the issue of blood and uh, how she had just exhausted all of her resources. Twelve years, she was ill with this disease, this illness. And um, in that 12 years, she had lost everything. Uh, she'd lost all sense of uh, who she was, uh, lost all of her money, all of her resources, all of her hope. And then she, it says she hears a report of Jesus, that Jesus, the, the name of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, the life of Jesus impacted her in such a way that rejuvenated some kind of simple faith that just says, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his garments, then I will be healed. And she works her way through the crowd and does so, and she, her faith makes a withdrawal on the power of God, the power of God that is given by grace. There's nothing we can do that could earn that, deserve that, become more worthy of it. It's just simple faith, and that kind of simple faith is a helpless dependence, that without Jesus, we're sunk. <laughs> without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, it's just, there's just nothing, uh, and so that's, that's the posture of simple faith. It's just complete dependence on Jesus. In Jesus' own words, in John, John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. That is a bold and radical statement. And I believe him. <laughs> uh, you know, I want you to believe the whole word of God, but the words, of, words that are in red tend to carry something. You know, so if you, you might not be ready to, for the whole word, at least start with the words in red. That, those, are, those are Jesus's words, and we want to cling to that. We want to have a dependency upon that. And so we depend on Jesus, and that, this, this woman expresses that. And we're going to pick up the story there, because the story of the woman with the issue of blood and her simple faith, that faith making a withdrawal on the grace of God, is in the middle of another story. And it's the story of Jairus, who's a ruler of the synagogue, and his daughter is ill. And it's the, the story begins with him going to Jesus saying, please, please, this, there's a dependency there, a trust that, that this man can heal my daughter. Please come heal my daughter. And he's, sure, yeah. And it's on the way that he encounters this woman with the issue of blood. And I'll, I'll begin with Jesus's words uh, once again in verse 34 to the woman who had received her healing. And this is what I spent most of the time last week talking about, so I'm not going to explain much here. He said to her, this is verse 34 of Mark chapter 5, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Again, last week I, I spoke pretty extensively just on that one sentence that, that Jesus, just, Jesus is doing so many things in this, in this one statement that he proclaims to this woman. It reminds her of who she is, daughter, uh, your faith, the, the activation of your faith has made a withdrawal on the power of God. Mark's very clear it's the power of God working through Jesus that healed her, but faith made a draw on that that others did not. And your be go in peace, be whole. Don't just be healed, but be whole. Your life is in a place of wholeness. Peace is what that, that means, and it's a priestly pronouncement over her. Go in peace, be free from your suffering. And verse 35. While he was still speaking, I'll read the rest of this story and then we'll come back and go in more detail. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. That's a, that's a really bold statement. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. I just like, get out of here, get out of here. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to, said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now there's, again, many, many different layers on this story and how these, even two, these two stories of the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus and his daughter, how those two work together. Um, we'll, I've, I've said last week, I'll say it again, we'll circle back. This got repeated too many times during Jubilee for us to just look a couple weeks at it and then just move on. We're going to circle back to this numerous times, including a word from, from Jim 
about the connection of these two stories and what it means for us as a church to prophetically walk in a season of, of seeing the church being healed and it releasing or rising up an instant resurrection of this coming generation. I feel like I need a little more time to pray on that, to, 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 to really see all that God has in that pronouncement of the word. And so I want to just hone in on what it means for us as a church for that kind of dependence to be on Jesus um, what it means to, to live by faith. And that sounds just so generic. It sounds so typical or whatever. But, but truly learn what does it mean for all of us in every stage that we're at, whatever level of maturity we're in, to live by faith. And how the more you mature, the more you learn, the more you grow in, sometimes there's a temptation, oftentimes, I won't say sometimes, oftentimes, there's a temptation to start leaving the simplicity of faith and adding layers of complexity to this. There, there's a, a grave temptation to that. And, I, and I've, I've sometimes been confused um, by Jesus' statements in places like Matthew chapter 18, where uh, they, they're asking Jesus, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus just subverts all their expectations and he calls a child. And he puts a child right in the middle, draws all the attention to the child and says, unless one humbles themselves like this child, can't even enter the kingdom. And I think that's a, that's a hard statement to really think about. Um, because, I mean, children like, are not the epitome of humility. <laughs> if you've raised a few of them, you, you know. So what, what kind of it? It's, there, there's a simplicity to childhood that they just, they want to believe. And that's why it's important you don't lie to your children. Even if these little tiny lies are half-truths, don't do that. Don't do that. Because if they find out, if they ever find out you've been lying to them, they won't trust you for anything else. So always tell them the truth. Now, you need to tell the truth in appropriate levels. You don't need to, like, blast them with, with too much, but... But the truth is very heavy, but it can be reduced down into simple bite-sized chunks for our children. But ch- children want to believe. And it's us that as you grow up, you add layers that, that pollute and corrode your faith. And uh, I, I, I can be guilty of this, that I want to grow, I want to learn. I know there's so much more in the kingdom of God to understand. And um, there's, there's so much assault uh, from against the Christian faith, from incredibly intelligent and very um, articulate uh, people in our world that, that just attack and demean and make you feel stupid for having faith. And so I want to grow in what it means to have a robust enough faith to be able to give an account for the hope that lies within me without returning you know, anger or, or arrogance or self-righteousness. There's a couple people... I won't tell you who they are. There's a couple people in the Christian faith that are uh, believers and they're very articulate. They're very articulate and they can argue a case in a way that's just incredible. And I keep thinking, man, I'm so glad they're on our side. Um, but to be honest, they also kind of sound like snobs. So, so I won't tell you who they are, um, but I'm like, well, you know, I'm glad you're on our side, but you probably could sound less pompous when you say that. But um, so I, I, I want to grow in that. I want to grow in my ability to, to communicate the, the, the Christian faith in such a way that shows the, the depth of understanding and knowledge that our God gives. 
Um, but there's also a temptation, and it's just human, the gravitational pull of humanity, our, our flesh towards selfishness, self-righteousness, pride, all that kind of stuff, that, that begins to add too many complications and layers to our faith that makes believing God more of a struggle than it needs to be. And not only that, it's when our experiences don't line up with what we claim to believe. That's hard. It's hard. And it's, it's not incredibly difficult to teach chapter and verse. It's really difficult to navigate how chapter and verse works into the real motions of our lives in such a way to maintain truth and call our experience upward, but to be honest about struggles and difficulties and challenges and disappointments. And this is one of those stories that I think begins to address it. Again, Jesus is the perfect one. He's the one that we are disciples of. We are aligning our life to King Jesus. And so whatever he says and does is what we're aligning our life to. And um, this story had particular impact on me um, that the Lord just reminded me of some simplicity in this. But uh, the, the, the way the story goes, I think, really does... Uh, capture a lot in just a couple verses, verse 35, where they come and tell Jairus, hey, the thing you've been believing for, Jesus to come and heal your daughter, didn't happen. You didn't get there in time. She's dead. So don't bother him anymore. Uh, There's no sense in bothering the teacher to come heal. Um, And you got to think about what all is possibly going through Jairus's mind in that moment. Because that one moment is, is pretty rare in our life. But when you have a moment like that, it's very impactful. It, it, it sometimes can become a core memory, meaning it shapes a lot of your life. When your expectations don't get met. When your temptation to blame. I mean, think about how easy it would have been for in that moment for Jairus to blame the woman and then blame Jesus. Don't you know this is important? Could you not have come back to this? this my need was more urgent than this woman's need. So I, who knows? We don't know what he was thinking. He might not be as selfish as we are. <laughs> but, but when grief hits us like that, there's all sorts of strategies we have about how to make sense of this. Um, there's denial. There's... Uh, from from denial comes blame shifting or trying to find reasons, and uh, eventually sometimes it just hits as just just sorrow. You just sit in sorrow at a, at a new reality, and it it was a particular, you know, hitting a wall for him, and that he had a glimmer of hope. You know, while he's struggling with his daughter being sick. I'm sure that there's all sorts of things that he and his family's going through to try to figure out how to make, how to, how to solve this problem, how to work through this. And then he has this glimmer of hope. Okay, Jesus is nearby. We can bring him and he can take care of this and all be done. So there's this, there's a sense of hope and then, and then an urgency with that hope. And that's what, that's what our, our emotions will do is there, there becomes a sense of urgency. I have hope, but, but my hope has a, has a timetable. Uh, and so I'm believing to hit this timetable. It's urgent. And you can see in the early parts of this story where, where he, he's pleading with Jesus. So there's an urgency to it. 
He's pleading with Jesus, please, please, please come. Come quickly uh, and heal my daughter. And so, so, so his, his faith is rising, I'm sure. You don't know, we don't know how far they were. We don't know how long it took. But somewhere on the journey, so he's seeing progress. He's seeing that maybe, maybe I get this answer. Maybe we can get there in time. And then he stops because there's a huge crowd. He stops and there's no way Jairus is thinking about anybody else. As a dad, like I kind of empathize with like, he's got, he's got a one track mind. And like Jesus is with him. There's crowds, in the, but then he stops. Like <laughs> uh, in much less urgent form. This is um, every time I get in a car and drive. Like I struggle with the like, does nobody else understand how urgent wherever I'm going, like the timetable I'm on? <laughs> and like every, every, most people feel that way. That's why like I'm, I'm perfectly content to live in a smaller town. I hate going to a bigger city. I hate traffic. Uh, everybody's selfish. Everybody's just not thinking about anybody else. Um, but yeah, it. It's a terrible, selfish thing. The Lord's working on me. But uh, so he's, he's got this hope and he's bringing him and it gets delayed. It gets stalled. And I can't imagine what's going through his brain. Like, what are we doing? Why is this important? Jesus, why are you stopping? And then now you're having this conversation with your disciples about somebody touched you. They don't understand. And then who knows how long it took for the woman to get the courage to come. Jesus apparently is pretty adamant. He's not going anywhere until he makes a connection with this person. Um, And so Jesus is not in a hurry, which is, I would say, one one of the most miraculous things about the life of Jesus is he was never in a hurry. Lord Jesus, help me, help me. Uh, Something Dallas Willard said that um, one of the great spiritual enemies of our world today is hurry. It's one of the greatest enemies to the spiritual life is hurry. Uh, And like that one cuts deep. (laughs) Um, And so he stops and Jesus is adamant about making a connection with this woman whose faith activated his power almost like accidentally. And so he makes this connection, and then while he's in this conversation, Jairus gets the report. Don't bother him anymore. Your daughter's dead. And verse 36, Jesus, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, so he made, I'm, I just, I just, I'm confident. He makes eye contact. He almost tells everybody else to be quiet, maybe a little firmer than just be quiet. <laughs> Makes eye contact, because he had overheard this. Makes eye contact, locks in his focus, and he makes just an incredibly simple statement, but is packed with relevance to, to our situa- like all of our situations. Do not fear. Only believe. That's it. That's all he says. Do not fear. Only believe. First, he has to deal with Jairus' emotional reaction that will compromise his faith. 
that could distract his faith, that could alter his faith. Because it was, it was a hope and a faith, a draw on Jesus's power that made him come to Jesus and implore him to come heal his daughter. So there was some faith there. But now faced with facts, the emotional reaction is going to cloud his faith. And so the first thing Jesus says is, do not fear. That's a, (laughs) it's kind of a hard statement. Like it's not, it's not hard to say, do not fear. But if you are in the moment Jairus is in, so you might be fine now when you say, do not fear. Yeah, yeah, we just don't need to be afraid. But when you are in the middle of having the emotional reaction that Jairus is having, like that's a tough one. And, but Jesus wouldn't instruct him to do that if it wasn't possible. How, there must be a way that it's possible that in the middle of an emotional reaction, something beyond our emotions can get locked in. That will, be, that will anchor us deeper than this moment that we're feeling this. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, pretend that fear doesn't exist. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not saying your emotional reaction to this situation is wrong or sinful. Like we're humans. We have emotions. To suppress them is to your detriment and especially everybody else's detriment too. Because when you begin to suppress emotions, they leak with, in, with high intensity. If you put pressure in water, like if you, if you pressurize water and then only a little bit leaks out, it's pretty painful. You can do a lot. You can just YouTube that. You can do a lot with pressurized water. So pressurized emotions that begin to leak out are pretty brutal to other people that they leak out on. So he's not saying suppress them. I believe what he's saying is don't let it have control of you. Okay, you're having an emotional reaction. Don't let it compromise your faith. Only believe. Like take all other options off the table. Only believe. Only believe. Yeah, but only believe. But there's the, there only believe. And, I, and, I, and I'm, this is not pretension, I can't stress this enough because I am so anti-pretentious. I hate pretension. And I hate when people use verbiage of faith to be pretentious. But I, in the name of not being pretentious, just being real, many people just being real really add a whole lot more to their faith than what is necessary. They pollute it and, and corrode it they, they, add it, they add clouds to it. They add too, much, too many layers to faith. In the name of just being real, I'm just being honest. No, you're being a jerk. <laughs> like every time someone says, no offense, but whatever they're about to say is offensive. So just don't lead. Don't lead with that. Because <laughs> so many of you have suffered a lot and faced disappointment. Faced situations where things did not turn out like you thought they should turn out. 
And that can be, that, that you, and we carry these experiences with us that when we're faced with a new experience, we'll be tempted to relate to a new experience based on every other previous experience. And when you let disappointment or, or, or prolonged grief, I don't mean gr- grieving and sorrow are a necessary part of a healing process, but it's part of a process. You don't get stuck there. Being stuck in grieving and sorrow will pull you down into despair. And despair is not like a permissible place to be in the kingdom of God. Grief and sorrow are part of the process. Letting those linger too long and pull you into despair is now leaving the reality of the kingdom of God. Okay. So do not fear, only believe. I guess if you're going to live by faith, we're going to have to learn how to take all options off the table except trust in Jesus. That if you say, I'll trust in Jesus, but anything you put after that but is getting in the way of your trust in Jesus. Is getting in the way of only believing. I like a a couple other translations that that are like paraphrases. Brian Simmons in the Passion Translation, his paraphrase uh, like this. Jesus refused to listen. Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. Don't stop your believing just because new facts emerge. Eugene Peterson in his message Bible, Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them, just trust me. That's tough. See, well, are you denying facts? No. Are you denying that they? Are you denying the emotions? No. Just don't let what they say control you. Trust me. That that's whatever the, the only belief. Whatever that is, it is simple. Trust in Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus. He's going to be the anchor in all of this. And that, that, that's tough when it's easy to conceptually understand. It's, it's tough to live when you're faced with, especially extreme circumstances. There's many circumstances that could be difficult. But when you're faced with extreme circumstances, that's really difficult. Especially if you've had moments in your life where you've tried and it failed. that connect with anybody? Where you're believing and it didn't turn out right. That's very difficult. It's also very difficult when someone else who is facing a similar situation is believing and it does work. It does turn out. So you're, you're left with situations, you're left with decisions when you're faced with these kinds of circumstances. Do I just give up and just make broad statements, this just doesn't work? It didn't work in this situation. It sounds good, we'll keep it spiritual, but in the real world, somehow this doesn't really connect in reality. And that's where a lot of people get. That's where a lot of the American church is at. Is to just... 
whatever. We'll just keep it spiritual and feel good spiritually. But other than that, there's no reality to this. They don't say that because they know that that's, you know, unbelief. But that's how we live. That's how many people live. They live that as if this isn't true or real. Um, or you believe a lie, it works for other people, but not for me. That's good for you. God must love you more. God must be more powerful towards you. You must be living better than I. It doesn't work for me. Am I, am I poking too much? <laughs> Where, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. Because <laughs> this, is, this is hard, because it, it's, it's hard to preach faith when people are determined to maintain their unbelief. It's hard, it's hard to communicate faith when people are determined that faith needs supplement, like there's other things, there's, there's, there's an, an asterisk and footnotes to the exceptions, People are determined to keep the exceptions. And I get it. It's tough. We, where this particular, this one sentence rings in my ears like a core memory. It's even hard to talk about uh, my wife and I's story with our son of, of healing because there's so many people who have faced semi-similar situations and it didn't turn out. Um, where my, our son turns five uh, here in a couple weeks. Um, he, uh, thank you. If, if, if you're fairly new, you don't know that story. We don't, we don't talk about it tons just because, I mean, it's awesome and God's incredible, but uh, you can't say the same thing over and over and over. But, um, but, but, uh, the short, really short version. Um, our our son, through a traumatic uh, birth, was without oxygen and for over twenty minutes, almost thirty minutes, which would be uh, considered dead. And they resuscitated him, but there was significant brain damage. And we were in the NICU for for about twenty twenty one days. And um, on the, the the second night, we got there one night, and there's specific treatment a cooling treatment, and they're running tests for the first day. And after about 24 hours of being there is when I sat down for the first time with the neonatologist, so that's the baby doctor for normal verbiage, (laughs) the baby doctor that's in the NICU, and then um, the pediatric neurologist, uh, the the guy who's in charge of scanning brains for children. Uh, And... uh, when I came in that evening, I'd ask, I was trying to figure out how to get a degree in medicine in 24 hours, like, because I don't understand any of this stuff. You guys are using words, you're talking about tests, you, there's all these different, uh, you know, monitors that say all sorts of stuff that I don't know any of it, and so I'm doing my best to learn, I'm learning verbiage, I'm learning all the possibilities, I'm just, I'm doing my best, and at the end of the, the about 24 hours, um, is when I got the, Mr. Sheriff, would you please come and would you please sit down? And uh, that is never followed by good news. Uh, and so 
um, this is when uh, the the neurologist he said, um, you know, "Mr. Sheriff, your your son is really sick." Um, he with that uh, they called it insult. <laughs> the insult at birth. I'm like, it's pretty insulting to die. So yeah, I get it. Um, the insult at birth, uh, your son does have uh, brain damage and uh, it's most, lo- most likely cerebral palsy, which means that um, your son most likely won't walk. Uh, he may never talk. Um, he may be in a wheelchair. Uh, we, 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 there's a lot we don't know. And there's a lot that is possible for children this age, but he may not be able to function um, much at all. And, and you need to start preparing for that. And um, that was my moment where I could feel everything Jairus was feeling. Fear, wanting to blame, just sorrow, grief like I'd never experienced um, and for the moment, my emotions came, but I just simply said, thank you. I know that denying facts doesn't do anybody any good, but facts about a specific situation may not line up to the truth of God's kingdom. And thank God, my wife and I, our family, like, We've been at this for a long time. And in the moment, you know, I'm wondering, is this the exception? Is it? But, but my, my mind clears and I just tell him, thank you. Thank you. I know you're caring for my son. I know you're doing your best. Don't, please don't be afraid to tell me honestly what you see. I know sometimes doctors have to like find clever ways of not saying everything. Um, or... They're just cold and mean and basically... But the, in this situation, they weren't cold. They weren't mean. They were, they were being very gracious and generous. They knew that these, these situations are horrible on parents. And so they're being gracious, but I said, please, please always, always tell me what you see. Tell me the facts. But you need to know. You need to know that my wife and I are people of faith. We got a lot of people praying for this boy. And uh, I think he's going to surprise you. So I was good in the moment, but I remember getting up and leaving, uh, leaving his bedside. I just prayed for him really quick before I left. And I remember leaving, and it's, I don't know, 20 paces, maybe 30 between where I was and the room they had let me stay in. And I remember in that 20 paces, maybe 30, like the entire world slowed down to like, a second felt like it lasted hours. And I, I remember just in that short, short period of time, those words just screaming in my mind, cerebral palsy, you may never walk, just, a, just like, a, like a screech, loud, just so loud. And uh, try, trying to keep it together till I got to the room. Um, and as soon as, I mean, it wasn't more than, more than halfway, maybe, maybe a little more. It was before I got to the room. Like, like just, just like a, like a, like a thunder that silence every, silences everything else. 
I just, I, 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 don't, I don't hear, I haven't heard the audible voice of the Lord. There's, there's times though, there's a few times in my life where the word of the Lord is so clear, it sounds as if it's audible, okay? And that's, that's the majority. If you hear an audible voice, you're probably going down the wrong trail and you should turn around immediately. <laughs> but it was as if it was audible, just this such loud of a sound, only believe. I mean, just that's it. Only believe. And uh, I mean, I had a grieving process to just let my emotions flow because I've had developed a really good skill at suppressing them. <laughs> and that was not helpful. So I had, I had I, but, but just remembering, don't be afraid. Don't let my feelings right now control what I'm going to believe. I can trust God. I can trust God. We can trust God. And that's what we stuck with. It just, you got to set your face like flint. Just an absolute determination. I'm only going to believe. I'm only going to trust God. Yeah, but what about? I don't know, okay? I'm only going to trust. Yeah, but what about all the times it didn't work? I don't know. I'm only going to believe right now. Uh, Right now, we're going to trust God. What the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You just, we, there's, there's a point where you, you got to recognize like you have no ability to do anything. And, and then when we find ourselves in completely helpless situations is when we wake up to that reality. It's real regardless. But helpless situations make it emerge to recognize I'm helpless. I, I don't have the ability to do anything. And therefore, our faith does not rest in what I can do or what is possible in human terms. Our faith does not reside. I'm not going to reside my faith on all the stories where it didn't work, quote unquote. My faith is not on people's stories, good or bad. Testimonies can strengthen your faith, but they should never anchor your faith. Your faith is not anchored in that God answered somebody else's prayers. And therefore, it's not contingent on someone whose story didn't turn out. It's on the one who's faithful. That's where my... So to only believe is not to try to figure out how all this can work in your favor. It's to completely trust the one who promises and the one who's faithful to keep his promises. You say, but what about all the times it didn't work? Listen, we're not raised from the dead yet. Okay, when we're raised from the dead, the resurrection of the body and the return of the Lord and new heavens and new earth, that's the end of the story. So whatever your negative experiences where things didn't turn out, that's not the end of the story. And that's the problem with many people's faith. It gets shipwrecked because their faith was on an outcome and the end of the story that they wanted it to be. And when that happened, they made that the end of the faith and it shipwrecks faith. I don't know. This is where I, I, it's even hard to tell the story of our own son who was completely healed of cerebral palsy. There's no evidence of any kind of brain damage. He started kindergarten a few days ago. He, that kid has more life in him than the other four children combined. Okay, y'all's prayers work so well. That kid's so full of life. It's, it's even hard to tell that story 
because of the number of times I've had to do funerals of babies that didn't make it out of the NICU. And talk with parents who maybe experienced the, like maybe it's probably the highest level of grief and sorrow to bury a child. I, I don't know if there's a higher. We got close and it was scary. Someone who actually's had to do that. I, w- I will say the hardest funerals I've ever had to do were for, for babies who didn't make it out of the NICU. And I've even had to do a couple since seeing my son come out of the NICU. That's hard. It's hard to look someone in the eye and say, trust God. And then things didn't turn out and then still look at them and say, we're going to trust God. We're going to consider that the one who promised is faithful. And so we're gonna, you got to make decisions about your faith. Is, it, it, is my disappointment going to be the level of my faith that I'm willing to believe? Is my bad experience, things didn't turn out, am I going to attribute the character of God to my, bad, my disappointment? Because that's what we're tempted to do. That disappointment creates a ceiling for my faith and I'm going to attribute God's character to my disappointment. I'm disappointed in God and that has shipwrecked numerous people's faith. You might, not, you might, you might be here. If you're here, there's still, I mean like, that's awesome. You're, you're trying to work your way through a shipwreck. And I hope in all of our campuses, I hope that we're the kind of church that can, can be with people long enough to come back from a shipwrecked faith. But just because we've experienced a shipwreck, just because we've experienced disappointment, we're not, we're not in a place, this is, you, you get a choice. This is just, God's love is just so incredible. I just don't think we've, I don't think we've really seen it, how incredible God's love is. And one layer of his love is that he lets you make decisions about your life. And when you're faced with disappointment, he will let you make the decision. He doesn't want you to. And he will, he will work things together for your good as, as you trust him. But many people have totally given up on God because things didn't work out for them. Meaning God allows them to make the choice to blame him and question his character because of how much he loves us making our own decisions. He's not going to control you. But what he will send and what we have to allow is he'll send messengers to bring encouragement. That's, there's so much of the New Testament that, that, that tells that what we're to be as the body of Christ is encouragers one to another. That doesn't mean make everybody feel good. It means to encourage those. To encourage someone, it, compassion Compassion is a word that it, its roots come from a sense of sharing burden, to suffer alongside, to come alongside the suffering. That's what we're called to, is to come alongside the suffering, not to try to get into the blame game. And, it, and okay, let me take a 30 second, like be a pastor for just really intensely for just 30 seconds, Okay. This is navigating being people of faith. There will be 
a pharisaical temptation that will come upon you, then when something doesn't work for somebody, and, I'm, and I, I even hate to use that word because it's not like it's not working, it's that things don't turn out like we think they should. We're praying and it didn't turn out like we think it should. The temptation is to start blaming them for why it didn't work out. Well, your one faith wasn't enough. You didn't have enough faith. Keep your mouth shut. Something does not work out like you think you should. Nobody benefits from trying to blame. Nobody. Can we all grow? Absolutely. You know, the best shooter on the planet in basketball makes 90, 91% of his free throws. That's the best shooter on the planet. That means nine or 10 times out of 100, which is incredible, he still misses the best shooter on the planet. And just because the best shooter on the planet makes 90%, still misses 10 out of 100, doesn't mean nobody else should ever shoot a free throw. It doesn't mean that we can't teach our children shooting 20% at the free throw line how to get better. Not blame them for every time it didn't go in. Okay? So when you're praying, you might be at 20%. Keep shooting. Keep at it. Keep growing. No sense in blaming you. Just, okay, things didn't turn out. Try again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Just because I've prayed for people in the hospital and they ended up passing away doesn't mean I don't go to the hospital and keep praying for people. All the people who I've prayed for in the hospital and have gotten out of the hospital healed appreciate that I didn't stop when I prayed for the person that in the hospital and they passed away. The same goes for you. The same goes for you. Well, I, I, I'm praying things don't happen. Keep at it. Keep praying. Keep learning. Keep trusting. Your faith is not in your faith. Many people's faith gets in their faith. I believe in my belief. I'm believing in my ability to believe. No. We believe in Jesus. We trust him. We're not going to let him. We'll have emotions, and that's okay. You're going to experience fear. You're going to experience grief. You're going to experience sorrow, and that's okay. We're just not going to let that be where we anchor our trust. We trust the God who makes promises and is faithful to keep them. And so when it comes to healing, we're going to keep at it. What if people die? They're going to die. You're going to die eventually. The, the, the little girl that Jesus raised from the dead eventually died. So you're going to raise somebody from the dead? Fantastic. They'll appreciate it. I guarantee it. They're eventually going to die if the Lord tarries. Every person that's ever got healed by Jesus died. So the story's not over. His promises are still true. And every single time we, we pray for someone, we're going to believe things happen. We're going to trust God. You're going to keep at it. We're going to believe in what God says to be true. I ran out of time. I'll have to come back to this. But 1 John chapter 5 is one of the most important verses to, to keep this anchor, to keep reminded. You need to have this one memorized. 1 John chapter 15, or sorry, 1 John chapter 5 um, verse 14 and 15 are, are pretty powerful, but I actually want to read verse 13 too. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is, this is one of those, commit to memory. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's, that's the key. That's what makes this not weird faith is that it's, we need to know his will. And what we believe about his will, God wills to heal everyone of everything every time. Okay? That's his will. So you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But it begins with, and this is the confidence we have. We have confidence in this. Well, I don't have that confidence. Then you memorize this verse and you repeat it to yourself until you get the confidence that when you ask anything according to his will, you're confident he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, so whatever we've asked in accordance to his will, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So when you ask anything according to his will, you're confident he hears and he delivers. That's what we stick with. What if it doesn't turn out? Stop with the whatabouts, stop with the buts. And if things don't turn out, great. Listen, resurrection, will figure it out. If things don't turn out, if I die, I wanna die in faith, not in unbelief. If, I, if I'm gonna lose, whatever that is, if I'm gonna lose, I'm losing swinging. I'm not going to give in to the devil on the way down. Just because it's possible things won't turn out like I think doesn't mean like, all right, devil, you can have this one. No, go down swinging. And we need to be swinging in faith. Amen? Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just release the, the campuses to, to follow whatever the Lord is saying and doing in that congregation right now. I bless you. I so appreciate you. We're going to be people of faith and we're going to keep seeing God deliver on all of his will in our lives. Today. Cool. Um, Man, I love listening to our teachers talk about healing because I think there's not, um, there's a lot of secret sauce teaching about healing and uh you know i love when we talk about how simple it is that it's it's belief it's faith that he is faithful um but i'm glad pastor jacob said what he said because there there's a real life aspect on the other side of it where no one no one's batting a thousand you know if someone were to tell me, oh yeah, God has given me exactly what I asked for exactly the way I interpreted it every single time I've asked I'd have a hard time believing you on that but um, there's a there's a teacher, um, author that I follow, um, I enjoy listening to his teaching, I, I'm reading his book on prayer right now um, his name is Tyler Staten if you want to look him up but he was, he was teaching on healing a while back and he's um, just like Jacob said, there's a, there's a tendency to like, oh, well, you know, you're, you aren't faith in right and you didn't rub your faith lamp the right way for the miracles you need to come out. And, um, but what, what this pastor said was that, um, faith is a sign of the kingdom. And he talked about his son, he has little boys and, um, his middle son 
would always get real excited for his oldest son's birthday because he could tell when they started to get out the ingredients for the birthday cake and the middle son would get so excited for the birthday cake because the birthday cake was a sign of the birthday and but what he didn't realize until he gets a little bit older is that the celebration of his brother's life is the reason for the birthday and that the cake is just part of you know the and so he says that faith is a sign of the kingdom but salvation is the substance of the kingdom and so when he talked about you know even if it doesn't work out the way that we think it needs to work out that's not the end of the story and so we uh you know Matthew 7 when he says ask and it shall be given to you knock and the door will be open to you um you know seek and you will find the english language doesn't have a whole lot of like active verbs very well we do adverbs but it's asking and seeking and knocking so keep keep asking and it'll be given to you keep seeking and you will find he talked about don't don't stop shooting because you miss a free throw that yeah absolutely healing is a sign of the kingdom and we we should be excited for that and we should seek after that we do believe god's will is to heal you know and but don't lose sight of that salvation that jesus and what he did for us is that substance That's all I got. Good work, Jacob. Stand with me, if you will. If you're going through a difficult time, don't leave here without just letting somebody know. Have somebody, anybody. That kid right there that just spoke. Myself, Jeff, Yvonne, just have somebody pray for you and agree with you that that the thing that you're needing, that the thing that you're asking for, that you'll have that. Um, only believe, because He is faithful. The one who promises is faithful. That's what that's what our faith is in. Not you know we. I think one of the reasons we add stuff onto it. If, if you do this. Add on to only believe. You know, hop on one foot just right. Is we're trying to f- figure out the secret sauce. Um, but let us pray for you if you have something you're desiring, something that you need. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for being trustworthy, being always faithful, being the one that we can trust in and rely on. Father, as you've encouraged our faith this morning by your word, I pray that we, in whatever situation that we're in, big things, little things, stuff at school, stuff at work, stuff in our family, that we'll learn to trust you more as a result of being exposed to your word and um, that we can come to that place where we just learn to trust you more. Have a faith that that calms storms, literal and figurative, uh, and that because of that, and the kind of faith that we live, we have an effect on the people around us every day.
because that's our job, to be Jesus to people around us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.